Awesome. Hey, so like I said, uh, I'm going to talk. I'm, I had this whole other metaphor I was going to be running with today to talk about spirit, soul, and body. Uh, but I kind of just in my office, literally five minutes before I walked over, I just kind of heard the Lord kind of say, use this other example I just dropped in your spirit, which is really, I don't do that much. So uh, you got to, yeah, I'm just, I believe it's going to be awesome. I know that it was really ministering to me. And so I believe it'll minister to you. But here we're in this series called Kingdom. And one of the things I told you last week is that, uh, and you can probably even just start to think through things. I mean, the kingdom of God works in, in, in the complete opposite way the kingdom of this world works. I mean, just a few examples. In this world, to give, you got to receive first or you have nothing to give. But not in the kingdom. The kingdom says give and you receive. The world says uh, the first are first and the last are last. The kingdom of God says the last are first and the first shall be last. Man, we could go on and on. The kingdom of God works the exact opposite as the world. And we're going to spend a couple weeks going into some really great detail about that. But first, I'm laying some foundation for the way the kingdom of God operates, because it is so important to understand some of these foundational truths before we get to some of this other stuff. And I know some of you in here are thinking, well, I know I've known some of these foundational truths my whole life. I mentioned this last week, but Pastor Greg Moore, he told me a few weeks ago, he says, when you're doing simple stuff, when you're teaching foundational things, or really any Sunday morning, make sure you got a public swimming pool right there for everybody to jump into. You need a shallow end and a deep end so uh, everybody kind of can grab something. So I promise you, there's some stuff in here for every one of us. But I'm telling you, understanding that we as humans... There are three parts to our life, three parts to our existence changed my world. It changed my life. Why? Because when we understand something, man, we start to respond differently. We start to react differently. When you're an athlete and you begin to understand how the game operates, you start to respond differently. Judah played travel soccer for the first time three years ago, and he uh, man, he's very athletic. He made this team. He had never played soccer or a sport that organized. And my brother-in-law, who's uh, an athlete, and actually I'm going to brag on him, is in the Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma High School Sports Hall of Fame. He's, he's really a sports guy. He would watch Judah play. And that first season, Judah played travel soccer. He said, I can see Judah on the field moving slower because he's processing the game. He's trying, he's thinking of everything he's seeing. He's processing it. Eventually, that'll just begin to become natural and he'll start moving faster. He'll start to operate different during the game when he's not having to remember everything coach said, all the new details. And by that second season, that's exactly what Judah was doing. He would just naturally through instinct start moving quicker. And it's the same when it comes to the kingdom of God. When we begin to understand how it operates, operates, we begin to walk around even more effortlessly acting like Jesus more than we ever have because our understanding changes. Remember, it says in Proverbs, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Does your heart actually think? No, I mean, we think up here, but when we know something, when it's a part of us, when it's in our heart, it becomes who we are. So we know we're made in the image of God God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He's a three-part God. It's the basis of pretty much every Christian belief system out there, right? We're made in His image. It shouldn't surprise us 
that just like God, there are three parts to us. And this is in the word, and I'm going to read it to you and explain it to you and then tell you why it's so important for us to be aware of this. It comes from several verses, but we're going to sit here. We're going to read um, out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 23. This is Paul writing to the church in Thessalonica, and he says, The very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's start with the basics. We have a body. You have a body. We can feel it. We can touch it. We can look in the mirror and see it. That's our body, right? It doesn't live forever. It dies. It goes into the ground. As a believer, as a Christian, we know there's a part of us that goes on and lives forever. And from verses uh, like Romans 5:12, wherefore as by one man sin entered the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. And then in, in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 18, therefore if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. All things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. There's a part of us, old part of us that passes away and a part of us is born again. That part of us lives forever. It's obviously not our body. We're going to get new bodies one day, according to, to the word. But there is a part of us before we even get those new bodies that lives forever. And that is your spirit. That is my spirit. That is the part of us that becomes redeemed by the blood of Jesus. The part of us that's completely whole, according to the word, is our spirit on the inside of us. How do I know that? Because it's the very spirit that was inside of Jesus, the Holy Spirit. And it's so awesome. Jesus said as he was ascending to heaven, they were like, please stay. We really liked walking with you. And he said, believe me, you want me to go because I'm sending you something even better. Instead of walking beside you, my spirit will live within you. And within that spirit, man, our, our spirit becomes resurrected as born again, blood bought, sealed for eternity. Man, that's awesome. That's good news. So we got a spirit, we got a body, and right in the middle of our spirit and our body, Paul says we have a soul. And this might sound complicated right now, but I promise you it does not have to be. And I, if you hear me, I promise you it won't be. Our soul can be defined as our mind, our will, our emotions. It's like the personality part of us. It's kind of like the driver, right? It's in the driver's seat. It's, it's in between our body and our spirit. And that's why in Romans 12, 2, Paul says it's so important. He says in Romans 12, 2, Renew your mind to the word of God. Otherwise, you will become transformed to the way this world operates. Where does that happen in your mind? Renew your mind to the word of God. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So there's this part of us that's kind of in between eternity and this world called our soul. And that part of us will either conform to the world and what it's saying. In other words, we'll think like the world. Even as a believer, we'll live like the world. We'll operate as the world. When the world says, this is what's going to happen to you, if our mind becomes conformed to that, we'll just be in agreement, sit back and let it happen. But if our mind becomes transformed by the word to the truth that is housed in our born-again spirit, 
then when we're bumped, what spills out of us is the word. What spills out of us is the same stuff that spilled out of Jesus. Otherwise, when we're bumped and we're filled with the anger that this world gives and we're filled with the hatred that the world preaches, when we're filled with, man, just the fear that faces us at every turn, if we allow it to, we get bumped by something and what comes out but the fear, the anger. But when our mind becomes transformed and renewed by the word of God, we get bumped and what comes out? Peace. What comes out? Joy. What comes out? Responses that look a whole lot more like Jesus on accident than you've ever been able to produce on purpose. And doesn't that make sense? Listen, our spirit does not become renewed. It becomes renewed once through Jesus. David is the one who wrote, renew a right spirit within me, O Lord. But remember, we talked about covenants last week. David prayed that and wrote it as a man born before the Holy Spirit came and indwelled in people. When David said, renew a right spirit within me, he meant it. But for a New Testament, born again, blood-bought believer to pray the prayer, Lord, renew a right spirit within me, it would be wrong. It's a done deal for you. Do you know what Paul says to the New Testament believer is renew your mind to the word because every one of these promises are resident and active in your born again spirit. You are spirit, you are body, and in the middle there is this soul. Keep it renewed. That's also why Paul says, think upon these things. What are pure, holy, we could go on because when we're thinking about the other stuff, that's what comes out. I had a friend, well, he was more of, I mean, he was a friend, he was older than me. And surprisingly, he started, uh, it came out that he was having an affair and it was a big deal. It, was, it, it messed his whole family life up. His wife, they divorced and this was a marriage that he'd, been, I mean, they'd been married for, for decades. They had, they had children, multiple children. He started having an affair and one day it was just me and him up here at the church actually talking and I just kind of got really real with him and I just said, how did this happen? How did this happen? Like, Man, we served together. We, we were a part of all the same classes. Like we went to, he was in Bible college with me. Like I looked up to this guy. I said, how did this happen? Let me tell you what he told me. This is just, I'm not, it's kind of, here's what he said. He said, I started getting really into that show, Desperate Housewives. I started watching it every week. And there was a character that had been married for a long time and started having an affair. He said, and I had a thought, man, I am not happy right now in this marriage. I wish something like that could happen. I would, it would be really good for me if I could do that. And then before long, he had a new coworker and that thought transferred to, man, what if that could happen with her? That would be awesome. And then he said, before he knew it, he was in a relationship with this coworker outside of his marriage and it ruined his marriage. He told me himself, it started with a thought he had while watching a TV show. His mind became conformed to the way this world operates through a TV show. Well, if you're not happy, there's somebody out there who will make you happy. Go find it. And he did. Now, we're all hit with thoughts like that. 
Even if we don't watch TV, man, we're all hit with thoughts that come our way, right? Because we have a body. We live in this world and we see some stuff. And I love what a minister used to say. You can't stop birds from flying over your head, but you don't have to let them make a nest. We can't help it. Don't feel guilty and beat down when a negative thought comes your way. Do you know what you do? Cast down vain imagination and go to the word. Renew your mind so that when you get bumped, what comes out is, I love my wife. What kind of thought is that that I'm having? I love my wife. She's raised three kids. She cooks for me every night. The parts that whatever you're thinking about, man, let the Lord redeem that and highlight what is so great about this relationship you have and fall back in love with your spouse as you renew your mind to the word instead of to desperate housewives or whatever. Like y'all know me. Y'all know I'm not against watching TV and movies. I love superhero movies and I got a little ring like kids have for Christmas. So I count down the days to the next one, right? I'm like three more days till Thor comes out, right? I love that stuff. But you've got to renew your mind to the word, not to that stuff. There is a big difference. There's a big difference. Man, when we understand this, do you know what happens? We begin to operate in the promises of God like never before. How can 1 Peter 2.24 be a past tense verse? By the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. When my body is screaming something else, I'm not healed. In fact, look at me. I'm broken down and I'm, I got this problem or that problem. My body is saying one thing. Well, how, does, how do I reconcile that the word says by his stripes I was healed? Does that mean one day in heaven I'll be healed? Well, that's part of it. You will be. But you have a spirit on the inside of you that is 100% healed. And do you want to know how I've seen healing, physical healing, operate in my own life, in my family's life? It has not that often been one miracle moment where at an altar, boom, some type of heavenly lightning strikes and I'm healed. That has happened and I'm so grateful. But what I have seen more often than not is when sickness or something else is standing against me, instead of renewing my mind constantly to the symptoms in my body and to what the world is saying, even feeling foolish and going to the word and declaring, I am healed in my spirit. I believe it, Jesus, you healed me. Now I want to see it operate in my body. Does that seem foolish? Absolutely. But do you know we have a faith where foolish things confound the wise? So as I renew my mind to the word, I've seen physical healing operate in my life. I told you all this testimony before Lisa and I went to lead worship at a conference just a few months ago that was all about healing. I really think I broke my ankle. It hurt so bad, but I kept walking back and forth in front of my house just saying, Jesus, you were wounded and I was healed. You were wounded and I was healed. And I know I started getting victory after victory. It was hurting less and less and less. And after a few days, it was way better. Well, maybe you just sprained it and it got better on its own. Maybe, but you know what? I'm just telling you what happened. It felt broken. It kind of looked broken. But that's not the only example. There's truth housed in my spirit. Do you want to know what truth? It's right in here. It's every promise to every person that has said yes to Jesus. It's the same promises you have. They're resident in here. That means that when my flesh isn't acting like a redeemed, blood-bought Christian, when I make mistakes, do you know why I'm not separated from God? Because in my spirit, I look just like Jesus. Because in my spirit, 
which God relates to me through and relates to you through. We can read that here in a second, but God is a spirit and you must worship him in spirit and in truth as you relation as your relationship with God, which moves through your spirit, which is born again, blood bought. That's why when we sin, when we mess up, we're not separated from God. Man, the Old Testament believers dreamed about where you live right now because their sins separated them from the Lord every time. And then they had to, through their own actions, go make the sacrifices to become in right standing with him again. But we no longer operate or relate to God through our flesh. Does that make sense? Because of the Holy Spirit now, we relate to God and operate through our born-again spirit. Man, that's awesome. That's awesome. And when I have a revelation of that, do you know the world works one way? And the world says, if you tell somebody that what they're doing doesn't separate them from the love of God, that's going to make them want to go do all the other stuff. Even more. It's going to make them want to go overboard. But we live in a kingdom that's opposite. In this kingdom, when we understand the truth that our sin no longer separates him. On our worst day, on our best day, he is the loving father just waiting for us to look to him. Like Miss Ruth said, he doesn't turn his back on us. He doesn't turn us away. He just runs to us even if we're running away from him. Understanding that just draws us to him even more. Understanding that draws us to him. And it all goes back to these three parts of me and keeping that one part in the middle renewed. The Lord was speaking to me. I'm going to tell you uh, the, the other kind of image that I saw to, to talk about today. So uh, it was like a bridge. The soul's kind of like the bridge between your spirit and your body. And just like a bridge, man, you want to keep traffic flowing. You don't want to have congestion. You don't want it to get clogged up with nasty stuff from this world, stopping those promises of God to operate in your life. So I'm going to get into that just a little bit. Talk about how to renew your mind. Talk about how to, how to do that instead of just leaving you hanging. But I'm, I'm going to kind of uh, move through, I don't know, maybe, maybe kind of quick. But this is stuff we've talked about so often in here. I, I believe and I know that so many of us, man, you can already, you already know so many ways to renew your mind. I mean, I believe as we worshiped here this morning, man, our minds were being renewed to his truth. You don't sing songs like yes and amen, yes and amen, all your promises are yes and amen. Man, even just singing that as we worship, that was igniting hope in our hearts and renewing our mind to the word that says all his promises are yes and amen. Where are they yes and amen? In our spirit, within us. They are yes and amen. As this glass, our soul gets more full, filled with those promises, under, renewed to the word of God. It comes out at every turn, at every bump. I mean, that's what I want to spill over. Listen, a, a bump sometimes can be, uh, it, it can be a social media post. It can be just raising kids, which sometimes, man, when they get ornery, you're feeling like you're getting bumped all the time. It's like, I told you to clean that room a hundred times. And for some reason, those things still aren't hung up in Judah's room right now as we speak. For some reason, they're still on his video game chair. I don't understand that, right? But even parenting, man, we, we gotta, there's a great way. You gotta discipline your kids. You gotta sometimes even be hard on them, uh, I, I believe, in, in a way. 
right? But, man, there's a way to do this in love and even in parenting. As we keep our minds renewed to the word, there in our soul, what's in our spirit will come out when we're bumped. You know, sometimes we're bumped and sometimes we just pour out, right? I'm pouring out right now, standing in front of you guys, sharing my heart, sharing this testimony. You'll pour out on purpose at some point today in a conversation with somebody. You might ask somebody to go to lunch and the Lord might say, hey, buy their lunch. That's you pouring out, right? What do you want to come out when you pour out, when you're bumped? Man, I just want what came out of Jesus to come out of me. What came out of him? I mean, blood, water. That blood represents the covenant. It represents the promises of God. That Man, that's what I want to see. James 1.8 says, A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. A double-minded woman is unstable in all their ways. Why? Because you're filling that mind up with two different things. Two different things, and it's saying, okay, do I believe this or do I believe that? Do I believe all this fear? Should I be afraid of all this stuff the world is telling me to be afraid of? Or should I be not afraid, which is written 365 times in the Word? But if we go back and forth from love to fear, love to fear, because that's the opposite of fear. Love's the opposite, not faith. Love is the opposite of fear. If we're going back and forth, even though we're making some good decisions, the Bible says we're unstable. We can get to the point when all that comes out is the love that we see in the Word, the love that we see in Jesus, and not the fear this world is pushing us. In fact, I've seen a lot of double-mindedness here in just the past few months, maybe more than ever. And i got to be honest, I've experienced this. Years ago, my father-in-law called me out on being double-minded. We, I, I, was, I don't even remember all the details. I think Lisa and I had just gone through a big change in life, and one day I was gung-ho, like, this is going to be awesome. And then the next day, he'd see me, and I'd just kind of be down and, and holding my head down. And one day, he just called me out. He said, as long as you stay this double-minded about what you guys are doing, then this is exactly what you'll have. You'll have one day up and one day down. He said, you just need to make up your mind if you're going to keep going to the Word or if you're going to keep getting down and depressed every day. It was an important lesson in my life. And I'm thankful that I was probably just like 21 or 22 when he, when he, he said it to me. Because it's something that Lisa and I have really kept going. Lisa will call me out on being double-minded. She always tells me that if, if I get there. She's like, all right, you can just keep on being double-minded if you want. She's just not. I don't know. Lisa's better. She's a step above, and she's not in here right now, which is why I'm saying that. I would never, I would never tell her this to her face, right? This is just, just between us. Just let me tell you, because there's no way she's going to hear this or go back and watch it or listen to it. Uh, but I'm actually very thankful. I, I actually mean it. I mean, she's just better. She, she uh, is absolutely not double-minded at all, and, and she teaches me. She teaches me and inspires me to move forward in that way. Man, you know what else will, uh, you know what else will, will uh, fill this up with negativity, honestly? Just, I, I, I might just finish with this. It's just basically, it's an influence thing. What is influencing you more? What is in the word or what's in the world? It's that simple. I, I don't want to keep on going because I have so many notes. I don't want to just like, convolute this with a ton of little details. I want today to be as simple as possible. 
So here is the simplicity of it. In your soul, in your mind, something is influencing you. It's either the world or it's the word. It's either the truth or it's a lie. Do you know that? If it's not the truth, it's a lie. Did you know we still live in a world, apart from what you hear a lot of times, we still live in a world where there is truth and there is lie. One of those things is influencing you. And really, to your mind, either one of those things could be truth. When you're a kid, the shadow on the wall is a monster, and you're convinced of it until somebody comes in the room, turns on the light, and shows you otherwise. But that fear you feel is real. And, and, and this thing that really has no power and authority over you begins to have power and authority over you because of what's happening right here and what comes out when that shadow on the wall bumps you is fear, anger, frustration, losing sleep. But when the light gets turned on and you see the truth, isn't it funny the next night when the light turns off, that same shadow could scare you because it happened to me? Renew your mind. You can't just say, okay, it's done now. I see that that shadow is just the lamp on my wall. It's done. No, the next night, I got to remind myself, no, that wasn't scary. It was just the lamp. I have to keep renewing my mind. If you don't spend time in the word, if you don't have your thoughts filled up with what he says about situations, about things that are going on in the world, how are you living? How are you living when you, you turn on TV and you hear about, uh, I'm not trying to freak anybody out, but you hear people talking about economic recession. You start, hear, you hear about inflation. You've experienced inflation, right? We're seeing this, but then we have a truth in here that says we are in a world that we are not of. We are in an economic system that we're not of. So when I allow the influence of the world to conform this up here, and I'm filling that up with all that uncertainty, then that's what happens. But when I'm filling this up with the word that says in Philippians 4.19, I'm blessed according to his riches. You know, his riches are not green dollar bills in the bank, right? They didn't even exist when that scripture was written. His abundance physically, you know what it looks like? Supply. It looks like taking care of you, whatever that means. It looks like you having enough, more than enough, even to abound to others. But when we're so caught up in this world and that is what is influencing, that's what's filling up our glass. When there's a shortage, it starts with fear. Then it starts with lack. Then it goes from there. But when there's a shortage in this world, but it's filled up with the word, we just keep moving forward. We keep saying yes to God and saying yes, that's where you find the supply. You know, Elijah went and gave a word to the king. It's not going to rain. And once he said yes to the Lord, then the Lord said this, go to the brook. I've commanded the ravens to feed you. He had to say yes again. And when he said yes, he found the supply. And this is what you see over and over again in the word. Your yes opens the door to God's supply. The widow, I am about to have to sell my son to pay my bills. Begin to pour the oil out into jars. Get all the jars you can. She found jars. She said yes. She saw the supply. Jesus said, do, Mary said, do whatever Jesus tells you to do. He said, take these pitchers in there, begin to pour them out. As they began to pour them out, the water became wine. 
As you say yes, you see the supply. When the Lord speaks to you, and this is filled and renewed to the word, and he says go, the yes spills out, and you see the supply. Otherwise, he says go, and you hear him, oh no, I can't go right now. I don't have this, I don't have that. This is, it's a pandemic, it's this, it's that, I can't do it. But when the Lord says it, you just say yes, and you do that as you renew your mind to his word, to who he is. It's what we're doing even right now, listening to this message. Go back and listen to it again. Pick up the word for yourself. I'm telling you, I can't stress this enough. Just start simply, read the word every day. I think it is super important. It, it's literally renewing your mind. Like I, I start with a read through the Bible every morning. I do it every year. And it's so easy. It's just 15 minutes, but it starts me off right there every day, just opening the word and reading. And then as I go to the word beyond that to put messages together or, or just to go to it, right? It's just like a continual renewal. We have to keep renewing our mind. And it's important to know our spirit, it's a done deal. You are signed, sealed, and delivered, bought by the blood of Jesus for eternity. We talked about that last week. The covenant, the new covenant, the old covenant was glorious but ended in death. The new covenant gives life. Where is that life found? In your spirit. And it will live forever. Don't let the temporal world all around you have more influence than the very more real, eternal world called the kingdom of God. I mean, this flesh even gets so much of our attention. But what has your flesh got? I don't know, 80 to 100 years or something? Your spirit's going to be around for eternity. It's actually the most real part of you. It's the most real part of you. And when that truth begins to become more and more real, it changes the way we respond to everything. And whether we are pouring out or being bumped, what is coming out looks a lot like Jesus. It's being led by the Holy Spirit. So it's a great time to take some inventory. Like even today, be aware. What's your first reaction when things happen, right? Sometimes it's okay. We catch yourself and change it up a little bit. But be aware. Is the fear coming out? Is the anxiety coming out? Are we responding in anger, in frustration? Are we giving in to depression? Are we giving in to, to negativity? If so, I'm not condemning and please don't feel condemned. This is an invitation into a different lifestyle. It's an invitation into a different way of behavior. When Paul and Silas were locked in chains, what came out? Worship. What came out? Songs of praise. What happened? The physical chains fell off. Man, that's powerful. We can do that. We can be there. And then every once in a while, you still have a moment like David has when, when your mind's saying one thing, but you just stand up, you rise up, and you say, soul, praise the Lord anyway. Soul, praise the Lord anyway. Fill your mind up with thoughts of him. Man, let the word be your go-to. Let the word be like your heartbeat. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You don't think about your heart and tell it to beat, Right? You don't sit there and say, heartbeat, start beating. 
It just happens. It's natural. This can become so natural that you don't even have to force the decisions, that the anger just doesn't come out anymore. His joy, his peace does. Jesus wasn't forcing himself to love the world. He just loved the world so much that we were the joy set before him in the darkest hour. And that's why he kept going. Thank you, Jesus. Does that all make sense? So uh, if you've never thought about this before, like I said, take this with you. Look it up. Read through the word. Go to 1 Thessalonians and read all about this. Spirit, soul, body. I love this, this, this picture. Your spirit is saved the second you say yes to Jesus. Born again, blood-bought. It is 100% whole. Your soul through renewing of your mind, is getting saved all the time, every day. It's a continual process. This body will go to the ground, and we know from the word, one day we will be resurrected in a new body, and it will one day be saved. So we got a part of us saved the second we say yes to Jesus. We got a part of us that needs to be renewed daily to salvation, renewed daily, moment by moment to his word. And then there's a part of us that in a period of time, we will be resurrected in new bodies. That's awesome. That's a part of the kingdom you live in. That is the covenant that we live under. That is a truth that when it becomes real to you, changes every decision you make because then I start making decisions based on who I am in my very real spirit more than who I am in my very natural temporal flesh. Because my flesh is anxious. My flesh holds a lot of anxiety right here in my gut, and I can physically feel it. But my spirit says, that's not who you are. You are filled with peace. In fact, it's one of the fruit, the produce of his spirit that lives on the inside of you. So when I feel that anxiety, I physically, with my mind, make a different choice. I feel this. Thank you, Jesus. You said, don't be afraid. You said, be anxious for nothing. You said, I've not been given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. I have authority. Sometimes I physically say, anxiety, you got to bow down. Get out of here. Do I see victory every time? I can't say that I have, but I see it a lot, and I operate in it a lot. For six months after my dad died, I gave in to anxiety every day for six months. But I got free and I got victory from that. And again, goes back to Lisa calling me out and saying, that's enough. That's enough. And this was great. She didn't say you. She said, we're not giving into this anxiety anymore. And we declared the word. And it was a process. But within just a few weeks, man, that stuff was gone. Because there's a part of me that doesn't get anxious. There's a part of me that instead of being filled with anxiety, is filled with power, love, and a sound mind. And when that part of me in the middle of those two parts, the anxious flesh and the power, love, and sound mind in my spirit, when the mind is filled up with the truth in the word, in those moments when the flesh would become anxious, the spirit spills over and says, no, 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 that's enough anxiety. Man, that's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. I hope that makes sense. Go back and listen to it. Uh, if you need to, it'll be whatever this week. But I think it's very important.
and I believe it can change a lot of our lives. Thank you, Lord. Let's respond with some worship. I'm going to invite the band to come up, and we are going to respond for just a few moments in worship. I know it's a little bit later than normal, but let's just worship for a few moments, and then, of course, I'll call our prayer ministers up as we close. Um, but man, this is a response. This is a chance for us to act on this word. Like there might be a whole lot of things going through our mind right now, but we can make a choice right now to stand up. And for just a few moments, instead of thinking about the to-do list or whatever it is that's making you anxious, the financial things or, or the job thing or the family thing, right now, we are going to make a choice to, to rise up and worship the Lord and allow our mind to become renewed to his word instead of conform to this world. Let's make this choice together. Let's respond to the Lord together. Let's stand up. Uh, let's worship. And I'm excited about how this is going to change our lives. And I, I'm excited to hear your testimonies. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. Thank you that you've given us truth in your word, uh, not ever to condemn us, but to invite us to a higher way. Invite us to live the way you lived here on this earth. We can operate the way you did. We can choose worship and praise when we are in chains rather than the fear, the anxiety that the world would say fill. Lord, we only want your spirit, your word spilling out of us at every turn in life. We know it's on the inside and we thank you that you've given us truth. You've given us your word to show us how to operate, to show us how to live above and not below, to show us how to be the head and not the tail, to show us how to live the way you did. We're so grateful. Amen. Let's worship for a few moments.